Good morning, afternoon, or evening. You may delete as appropriate. My name is Chad Lemon, and thank you so much for joining us here for Season 4, Episode 3 of Ministry Bits. We're going to be talking about some heavy stuff. We're going to be talking about digital addictions. And that sounds really heavy and serious, and it kind of is. I told you that this was going to be a little bit of a different show. Um, a little bit of a different show moving forward. And so this one may be a little bit longer, uh, but hopefully it will be worth your while. I've got some uh, tips and strategies near the end of our talk this morning. Uh, This is a lesson that I've presented at a couple of different places. And so it'll be very interesting to let you know uh, and to get your feedback on that. And what you can do with that is you can email us, ministrybits at gmail.com. Again, that's just how it sounds, ministrybits at gmail.com. You can also check out our YouTube video feedback. I've had a little bit of feedback on the YouTube channel. And um, people are saying, hey, now I've got to watch and listen? What in the world? <laughs> you don't have to watch and listen. In fact, this uh, episode will not have a, um, a video with it. Um, so only the video, only the ones that I determine where a video would be helpful, but this one, not so much. Um, so when we're talking about that, uh, when I'm showing off a bag or a gear, a piece of gear or, uh, new phone cases or an iPad setup or something like that, which that episode is coming, then, then we'll have a video for it. Um, and it'll be on YouTube, but not every, um, and not, not every episode is going to have a video, and this one is a perfect one to not have a video because we're just talking about something uh, pretty serious. So anyway, um, thank you so much for the feedback. Thank you so much for everything uh, that you've said in the past few days. If you haven't liked our Facebook group, make sure you do that. We have several fans on there. We're approaching 200 likes on Facebook. And uh, again, you can email comments and, and suggestions directly or go rate the podcast. It probably needs to be rated uh, probably hasn't been rated in over a year. Uh, still have a lot of people listening to old episodes. Still have a lot of people listening to and sharing different things about it. And I get emails about it from time to time. Man, it's great to hear. And it's great to get started back up with season four. And it's season four because and somebody even asked about that. They said, why is it season four? Well, I've been doing this for, this is about four years old. So that's the way I figured it was season four. And I want to do it in seasons because uh, I need breaks. And you need breaks too. Um, believe it or not, you need a break from me. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I'm a joker and a kid, but that'll give me an opportunity to have a nice long break in the summertime. And it will also be able to uh, take a break myself and recharge a little bit and get back into it. So we'll go through season four. We'll go through August, excuse me, May. We'll restart back in August. And um, we'll have, I think I've got 10 episodes planned. So this is season, this is episode three. So I've got about seven more episodes planned uh, through the end of May, and um, hopefully you'll enjoy that. So enough with follow-up. Actually, one more bit of follow-up. The Surface Go that we talked about in the last episode can be powered by USB-C. So I don't even know why anybody would use that funky power adapter. I guess it charges faster, but the USB-C port on the Surface Go actually will charge it as well because uh, I plugged it into power and I thought, huh, I wonder if this actually works, and it does. It really does. So um, let's go ahead and start talking. Let's get into the podcast here. Four minutes in, well overdue. Um, we're going to talk about digital addictions today. And this is something that I think you it's a heavy topic. And you think, oh, man, 
That's serious. And it is. And it's not just for kids. Uh, because kids are what we think about when we think about, oh, well, they're addicted to their devices. Well, aren't all of us really, though? I mean, think about it. Uh, start with a scripture here. And again, I'm going to, this is a full lesson. You can take this lesson to the bank. You can write it down. You can get the full text from my website. I'm going to put the full text in the show notes here. And the, you can find this at chatl.co slash mbits slash s4e3. Again, that's chatl.co slash mbits slash s4e3. And I'll have the full text of this right here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. What does it say? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I want you to keep that verse in mind. We're going to come back to it. As a question to start off, when was the last time that you were without your phone? Now think about that. When was the last time, and he kind of rephrased the question, when was the last time that you didn't have a screen within arm's reach? Right? Uh, you can you can say, well, I, I got rid of my phone. I'd get rid of my phone every time I come down. Well, you look at your iPad, same thing, right? How many of you think you're addicted to your phone? How many think you're addicted to your screens? And I'm not, again, not just talking about kids here. Kids are obviously addicted, but adults have ways of hiding it, don't they? I have a picture of, of a couple of older people at our congregation who were on a mission trip. There were six of them sitting at a table, all gray hair, average age is 72 at the table. And they're all looking at their phone. <laughs> 72 year olds. They're all looking at their phone. I caught the picture. It was perfect timing. We're all affected. Um, today we're going to talk about three things. It's always three things with me. What our addiction actually is, what scripture says we should do with any addiction, and then we're going to explore real steps to deal with this addiction. And this podcast is going to have chapters. So if you want to skip to one of those chapters in here and, and see exactly what we're talking about, then go ahead. Probably be a little bit longer episode than I've been advertising previously. So when you think about what we're addicted to, I always think about the idea of the famous Marlboro Man. If you're a young person, if you're younger than about 25 or 30, you, you may not even like know who that is. You may be familiar with Marlboro cigarettes, um, but the Marlboro man was the, this ultimate, tough, all-American man who was actually invented as a marketing strategy by Marlboro back in the 60s. And just like... Um, you know, you would have celebrities and different things that would be the symbol for wealth and for fashion these days, right? The Marlboro Man was the symbol for the all-American man. He was nicknamed this because of the brand that he represented, Marlboro Cigarettes. In the 50s and 60s, you think about smoking. If you've seen movies from that period, if you've seen anything like that, smoking was everywhere in America. You'd see people smoking in offices, people smoking in restaurants, uh, airplanes. That's crazy to me. People smoking in hospitals. I, I don't know about you, but when I look back at those times, it seems just bananas that we would glorify something that was so obviously bad for our health. We know now, given the hindsight of, of 20, 30, 40 years of, of research and development, we understand that cigarette smoking is really bad for your health. Yet when we look back at images on that era, we're kind of shocked that something so toxic 
was not just widely accepted, but it was actively promoted as being sophisticated and a handy tool for weight management and all sorts of crazy stuff. And it's like, what were we thinking? Now, none of us probably listen to this podcast. None of us probably grew up with that. But when you think about it right now, where's your phone? You're probably listening to this podcast on your phone. If not, you're listening to it on your computer, which is a screen or on an iPad or something else like that, which is also a screen. If you're the typical American, there is a screen within five feet of you, regardless of the time of day. It may be in your hands right now as you're listening to this or in your pocket. 77% of Americans now own a smartphone. I actually thought it was uh, much higher than that. 95% own a cell phone of some kind. I actually thought that was higher, but it's not. And the same people who we look at cigarettes because they're health risks, they might not think try the, the same people that look at cigarettes and say, oh, that's crazy that we allowed that to happen. Those same people, we're driving down the road at 60 miles an hour with our eyes locked on a tiny screen, trying to respond to a text message. Sometimes these addictions actually really kill us, like literally kill us. And it's not funny, but it's just the truth. We sleep with our phones beside us. They're often the last thing that we see before closing our eyes and the first thing that we reach for in the morning. Average American adult spends more than three hours engaging with his or her smartphone every day. It's twice the amount of time, over six hours for a teenager. You think about this. The iPhone was released when? 2007. That's a mere 13 years ago. But it already has over a billion people using it. There are one point Apple advertised a couple months ago, I believe that there are 1.5 billion iOS devices in use in the world. TV took 40 years to get to that point. Radio took way longer than that to get to that point. That's crazy. The thing that I'm trying to get to here is we've moved from excitement to obsession in just like a decade. None of us would even think about leaving our phone at home. If we did, we, we actually drive back and go get it because it's that important. It's a, it's a lifeline. It's a communicator. It's a camera. It's a GPS. It's a, it's a radio. It's a search engine. It's, it's a social Rolodex. If anybody emails me and tells me what a Rolodex is and you're under the age of 25, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> I'll send you a dollar at PayPal or something. We will look back someday at our screen. I think... We'll look back someday at this screen infatuation and with disbelief. Will we look back on it the same way as we do smoking? Will we shake our heads when we look at images of people at restaurant tables staring at devices in their hands? Families of four and five and six people with their children looking at screens and not looking and conversing with one another. You would think as a tech person that I would be advocating for the use of more technology. And I do. I think technology solves a lot of problems. I also think that we are very imbalanced with it right now. There are plenty of good things that we can do with technology. And if you've heard me talk about technology, you, you've heard me talk about it, for example. And I like, to, I like to ask these questions. What would the apostles have done with Instagram? What if Jesus had a YouTube account? How would, how would Paul have used Twitter? Well, I know the answer to those things already. They would have used those screens. They would have used this technology 
to glorify God in everything that they do. It's it's okay for us to to use these as tools. It's okay for us to have fun with these tools, to communicate, to use these devices to better our lives. But it's not okay for these screens to control us. And I think that we would agree to a certain extent, obviously they have a profound effect on our teenagers. But what about us as as adults? If you know, and this is kind of getting into our idea of this being addictive by design. It's not entirely our fault. Mostly it's our fault, but it's not entirely our fault. If you've ever heard the name B.J. Fogg, Dr. B.J. Fogg, he's not a celebrity. He's not famous, probably. You wouldn't know who he is. I mean, he is famous in certain circles. Um, and you may not know who he is, but he has been very influential on the development of apps like Snapchat and Instagram. He's already had a profound effect on your life and you didn't even know it. Dr. Fogg is the founder of the Persuasive Technology Lab at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California. Palo Alto, right down the road from, right across the street, basically, from Facebook, right down the street from little companies like Apple and Google. And their motto, get this, their motto is, we design machines to change humans. Now, notice I didn't say change human behavior. That's too simple. They want to change humans. They want to change how we think, how we feel, what we're addicted to, who we vote for. Almost anybody suffers, almost anybody with a smartphone suffers some degree of technology addiction. And as with cigarettes, this is by design. Cigarettes are naturally um, designed, naturally designed, that's, that's a terrible way to put it. They are designed to be addictive. And it's not necessarily that we lack this just complete self-control. These devices, these gadgets, these apps, these services and games are made to be addictive. Addiction is tied to the release of dopamine in the brain. You know that. Dopamine's the happy chemical. It's the substance that is released in our brains when we are happy when we are encouraged when we are when it's it's pleasure basically it's when we see our likes pop up on facebook it's when we see our likes on instagram tick up it's when we keep that streak alive on snapchat it's when we have those views accumulate on tiktok and i'll be honest with you i suffer from this a, a great deal when somebody on Twitter retweets what I've said or somebody responds or I get feedback for this show, I, when I see the stats for this show, I, I'm highly encouraged. It's a little bit of a, of a dopamine hit for me as well. The biggest thing, though, is the infinite scroll. When we keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling in the endless source of in- entertainment and information. The problem is, is we keep looking for happiness and approval. And, and again, we might find it sometimes. There are positive things online. But that's only temporary. Looking for happiness on our devices is something that we, or true happiness rather, is something that we'll never find. These devices and apps, they run like slot machines in Vegas. They're designed to hook us. They're designed to give those tiny rewards to keep us coming back and to make sure that we stay Most of us require a cue to stop consuming, but our devices don't give us any such thing. Scrolling doesn't have any breaks. Instagram uh, might show you only one like at a time, which keeps us checking back to refresh the page, right? Snapchat capitalizes on uh, users' loyalty to their friends by turning their conversations into streaks that they don't want to break, and it guarantees traffic for them. Facebook, probably the worst of them all, 
uses an ever-evolving uh, ever algorithm. It, it changes daily. That tracks every like, every comment, every click, so it can predict what kinds of posts are most likely to keep users reading. And it feeds it to them accordingly. This is, this is crazy right here. And when I, when I say crazy, this is absolutely bananas. A 2014 New York Times story reported that Facebook users were spending 39,757 collective years on the platform each day. That's over 39,000, almost 40,000 years on the platform each day. If you added up all 2 billion plus users that Facebook has, man, we are giving a lot of time to these things. Lastly, these screens appeal to our need to connect. We all want to belong somewhere. We all want to find community. We all want to share and we all want to connect. This connection is what technology promises this connection can only be found in one place. And can you guess what that is? It's the church that Jesus built. The only place that we can find that kind of connection is the church that Jesus Christ built. Most of us have grown afraid, and, and this is a huge thing with teenagers, that if we don't t continually tell the world who we are and what we're doing, and sharing and posting and retweeting and all sorts of different things that we're going to become invisible and irrelevant. I have that fear. Is that true? Let's take a, a breather here and look at what Scripture says. Exodus 20 is the passage where the Ten Commandments is. When you think of the Ten Commandments, what comes to your mind? Why do you think God gave the Ten Commandments? You ever thought about that? Like, it's a story that we've grown up with. If you went to Sunday school, then, then you knew exactly about the Ten Commandments. Why do you think God gave that? I think about the Ten Commandments in, in an inaccurate and wrong way. I think of fourth grade class. I think of sitting in Miss Street's fourth grade class at Riverton Elementary School and getting my name on the board. You remember that? You remember when you got your name on the board? You didn't get your name on the board if you did something right. <laughs> you, did, you didn't. You got a name on the board if you broke a rule or if you were acting up. And if you got a check mark beside your name, well, you might as well just you might as well just check out and go to the principal's office. We don't like rule following. We don't like those kind of moments. We tend to get a distorted view of the Ten Commandments. That's that's my distorted view of the Ten Commandments, that it's God is on this massive blackboard and he's writing names up there every time I sin, right? Every time I break one of those commandments. Oh, Chad broke a commandment. I'm going to write his name on the board. Oh, he broke another one. I'm going to put a check mark beside his name. Why were the commandments given? It wasn't a response to, to bring order to chaos. It wasn't a response to, to give... The Israelites, something to, to some guidance. Yeah, it was part of that. But the main reason why is because it was a response by God. It was a rescue by him that they provided him from slavery. Pay close attention to what he says in Exodus chapter 20 here, beginning in verse 2. He says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He first says, this is who I am. And this is what I did for you, right out of the gate. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandments that stated. 
Verse 4, You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Basically everywhere. (laughs) You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Exodus 20 goes on to record all these other commandments that God handed down. These commandments would be inscribed on stone tablets. They'd be put in an ark to preserve them. Commandments that the children of Israel needed. Why? Because they had just come out of generations of slavery. I don't know if in the 21st century we can contemplate what it means to be a slave. I know I can't. We may joke with, you know, kids may joke with their parents that you're a slave because, oh, you're, I'm just your slave because we want them to go mow the yard or take out the trash or something like that. But do we really know what it's like to be owned by somebody else? The Hebrews and the Israelites, they were owned by the Egyptians. They had no rights. They had no free will. They had no ability to make choices for themselves. And that is why they needed the Ten Commandments from God when they came out of generations of slavery. And thinking about this brings up an interesting question. Are we sometimes enslaved to our screens today? If we've come to the point of being addicted to them, if we have anxiety when we don't have them, if we are obsessed with checking them, if we live for that dopamine hit every time we get a like or a streak, then they we've become slaves to our screens. They own us. But again, going back, what does Galatians 5.1 say? For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not again submit to a yoke of slavery. We are not to be enslaved by anything. Not a phone, not a way of life, not money, not popularity, not a game, not an app. Christ is the one who should define our identity. And it's not our likes on Instagram or our streaks on Snapchat that determine how valuable we are. So how do we make sure that we own our devices, not the other way around? This is point number three here. How do we control our technology so that it doesn't control us? Our technology is amazing. Uh, I believe Cal Newport wrote in his book, Digital Minimalism, recently he said, humans aren't wired to be constantly wired. Meaning, we were never built to be constantly connected. We need breaks. And again, this technology is amazing. We can do amazing and wonderful things with it. You're listening to me right now over a medium that literally did not exist 20 years ago. Maybe even 15 years ago. But the key is to develop a healthy self-concept, a healthier, more balanced, constant, conscious relationship with our devices. We don't have the opportunity to just say, you know what, I'm not going to use any technology. We don't have, that's not really an option for us. But that means setting consistent boundaries. Here's what I do. Number one, I set consistent boundaries. This is the first thing I do. I am not perfect by any stretch of the word. And I'm just as addicted to my device as as you are. But I have made a a point when I get home, I get home about 4, 4.30 every day. And my watch comes off. It goes on the watch stand. My phone goes on the charger. The iPad goes to shelf, and I don't touch them again for a couple of hours. 6 to 7 p.m. is the time that everyone can have their device time. We can have what screen time. We call it our screen time. 
and my boys get to play on their iPads. My, I get to play on mine. I get to do whatever I want. I get to play video games. I get to watch the news, whatever I want to do. Right. And at seven, my little boys get ready for bed. So the iPad or iPhone, they're put, they're put away until they're asleep. And that's the boundary that I've set. I don't know what you need to do in your home. I don't know what boundary you need to set. I don't know if that would work for you. But have clear boundaries set for your children, uh, for your youth group. If, uh, you know, one thing that John David does here at Graymere that I love is that he highly encourages, almost makes it mandatory that our students have a paper Bible. And I know what you're thinking, like, oh, man, that's like, that's very 1998 of you. But seriously, how valuable is it? And what are the advantages of having a paper Bible? Kids are growing up, an entire generation of kids are growing up to not know where the scriptures are in a paper Bible. <laughs> and I know that makes me sound terribly old. But that's the one thing that I've held on to is that I always still have a paper Bible. Yeah, the uh, Logos app and the you know the Faith Life app and all the all the different Bible apps and the different Bible studies those are those are tools to help me with it but the word of God stays the same with me I'm going to have a paper bible all of my days just setting small boundaries like that can help us with our addiction to these screens the second thing that you can do is is use screen time or use um digital well-being for Android screen time is built into iOS devices you have to download the digital well-being app for Android, and it's right on your phone. And you just go to screen time and you set it up and, and you kind of look at it and it will tell you how much time you've spent on certain applications. Seeing those numbers sometimes causes us to take a step back and go, whoa. And we realize that those minutes that we watch YouTube are actually adding up into hours. Um, so again, use screen time, use digital well-being. Um, Use it. Don't just enable it, look at it one time, and then forget about it. Use it. Look at your reports every Sunday when they send them out, not during church. I think they send them out at 9 a.m. <laughs> uh, right as church is starting on Sunday mornings. But look at them all. every Sunday afternoon. Look at them. The third thing, use your phone in grayscale or black and white mode. Now, this is an interesting one because this is one that I've learned uh, and talked to about a bunch of people. But right on your phone, there's there's ways to do this. This is a neat one. Um, remember those Vegas slot machines that I talked about? They have lots of color and light and sounds and, and all sorts of stuff. And your phone does the same thing. And when you take color out of the equation, it can make our screens seem less desirable. I did not believe this. I thought, well, this, that's dumb. <laughs> and I will tell you, I did it. We went on vacation last May, uh, to the beach and I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to set my phone to grayscale. It works the same way. It won't take black and white pictures, so don't worry about that. Uh, even screenshots. If you try to, try to take a screenshot of the, of, the, of the screen, it will take it in color and put it in your, your photos, right? But you think about it. I put that on my, my – I turned it on to grayscale mode, and you can find this in settings. It's kind of – it's buried a little bit, but you can find it in accessibility settings on iOS. And honestly, I didn't want to look at my phone as much. And when I'm on a uh, family outing, when we go to the zoo, or when I know we're going to be on vacation for a few days, or when I know that I need to focus on some things, it goes to black and white mode. You can even, on iOS, you can even set up a shortcut for this in the Shortcuts app. It's actually a pretty marvelous little life hack. 
um, you might be surprised at how not interesting your phone is anymore because those colors are not bombarding you. So very interesting. Number three, use your phone in grayscale. Number four, turn off notifications. For goodness sake, turn off notifications. This is one that I've done ever since I've had an iPhone. I cannot stand how many notifications you get. Whenever you download an app, it asks if it, it asks you if it can send you notifications. Just say no. Just say no. Like to drugs, just say no. <laughs> you can always enable it later. You can always go back and turn it on if you need to get push notifications for something. But turn them off. Turn off those little badges, those little red badges, one, two, and three badges on your your messaging apps. I have notifications turned on for two applications on my phone. Can you guess what they are? It is the phone and text messaging. That's it. I don't get messages from Facebook. I don't get messages from Instagram. I don't get messages from my email or my stock trades or any of that stuff. I don't get it. Um, the only other thing that, that is, has notifications turned on is the clock. Wake me up an alarm in the morning. That's it. We are mostly, you can go to the settings app. You can actually turn off notifications for each app one by one. If it's annoying you, turn it off. Keep the important ones. Try turning everything else off. You will realize that you don't want to pick up your phone quite as much when it's not dinging and chirping and vibrating constantly. Okay. Um, the fifth thing, delete apps that you're using too much. Remember when I told you to look at screen time? Well, what if you took the top app that you use the most? What if you took YouTube or Instagram or Facebook? It's a Facebook for a lot of people, at least a lot of people our age. What if you took that top app and you just deleted it for a week? What would happen? There's no danger. You can always re-download it if you need to. You can always um, re-download it and sign back in after a week and see what it was like. But I'm telling you, it might make a serious difference in your life. Delete the app that you're using too much. That's my challenge for you, by the way, today. Go on to screen time, see the app that's using that you've used the most, and delete it for seven days and see what happens. You might be greatly encouraged, and you might be it might even if it even if you put it right back on your phone after seven days, you still will have that that different perspective now of wow, <laughs> I have so much more time because I'm not checking these things right. Um, the sixth thing, seventh thing, I don't I've lost track. Find opportunities to leave your screen behind. And this is good for kids as well. Uh, not just on a, per not on a permanent basis, but just in small blocks of time. Um, when you're on vacation, leave your phone in your, in your room if you're going down to the beach or something, right? Um, if you're a kid, go, leave your phone at home for soccer practice. You're not going to be on your phone at soccer practice. Just find opportunities to leave your screen behind. Leave your screen upstairs if you're coming downstairs for dinner. Take a broader view of how you're using your screens. When you understand how your brain works, you become more self-aware of your impulses and you're able to consciously control your behavior. This kind of self-awareness is the key to kicking addictions. And we may not think, we're maybe in all in denial about, well, we're not, we're not addicted to these things. Well, we are. The last thing I have, and this is the last thing we'll talk about, we're up to 30, 30 minutes here in the podcast, is submit to God not some false way of life. If freedom in Christ sets us free, then we are not to be enslaved 
or addicted to anything. And addiction is enslavement. If we submit to God first and foremost, then everything else is going to fall into place. I'm going to come back to a point that I made. When I mentioned the Ten Commandments earlier, it's interesting how they break down. And you probably, if you're a minister, you probably already know this. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't know. But four of of those commandments have to do with our relationship with God, our vertical relationship. But the other six have to do with how we relate to other people, our horizontal relationship. And God knew that relationships with others, our family, our friends, would be vitally important to serving Him. That's why 60% of the Ten Commandments have to do with our horizontal relationship. And unless we know the, and the people we associate with us in our screens and in our real life, we're not building those real, lasting relationships. And when it comes to face-to-face, eating with one another, heading to the mall, going to the movies... Put your phone in your pocket. When you're having dinner with your wife, leave your phone in the car. Do not disturb is the greatest thing that's ever been invented on these phones. Turn it on and actually enjoy life for a minute. Take a step back and make sure that your phone is working for you, not the other way around. I hope this has been helpful. I hope that this talk, um, this again, I've delivered this talk in several different places, but I thought it would be prime content for the podcast here. I want to appreciate your feedback. Um, send it to ministrybits at gmail.com. And, um, or you can go on the website, comment on the blog post, comment on the post, the podcast post there, rate the podcast, um, whatever you need to do. Send me an email, follow us on Twitter at ministrybits. I'd love to strike up a conversation with you about this and see what you think. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer before we end. Dear God, we thank you so so much for this amazing day, another day to serve you. And Lord, please help us be aware of how much we use this amazing technology. Help us to manage it. Help us to not let it control our lives. Help us to use it to reach out, to encourage, to build up. And most of all, to show your son to everyone. Lord, please help us when we sin. Help us to understand that addiction is a sin. That when we do get carried away with these screens, that you help us realize what's truly important. Those that are around us and service to you. Lord, thank you for loving us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Go out and have a blessed week. And we'll see you next week.